a series last week called Better Together. If you missed last week, you can go back to our podcast uh, as you can each week and catch up. Uh, Our scripture is in Ecclesiastes, this collection, an interesting book, a collection of wisdom. Uh, it, It reads, two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one be warm alone though one can't may be overpowered by another two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken uh want to just talk to you one more time on this topic better together uh let's pray one more time jesus we love you thank you for our friends our family those who have gathered here into this room today uh, we believe that that your word is true and it is life. I pray you would challenge us all to speak to us through your word today. We thank you for what you have come here to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'll keep standing. I will just briefly mention, in case you've noticed, I I suffered a near-fatal injury before service today. And the only person that had a Band-Aid was Steph. And her Band-Aids are as interesting as she is. Uh, And so... Amen. It was uh, in 2010, I don't know if, if you saw this, it's um, been several years ago now, but Burger King, uh, BK, where you can have it your way, they ran a Facebook ad campaign in which they offered a coupon for a free Whopper to anyone who would unfriend 10 of their Facebook friends. Uh, article in the New York Times described this campaign, this genius campaign that was meant as a scheme that when you unfriended the person, Burger King would send them a Facebook notification that they had been unfriended for a delicious hamburger, which was uh, supposed to make you say, wow, this burger must be really good if I got booted as a friend over it. But I think, personally, I would be insulted. Uh, Thank you, Burger King, for making the world a little brighter place to live in. But the New York Times reported that the stunt worked too well, as within the first week, 233,906 friendships had been terminated, and Burger King was on the hook for 23,000 free Whoppers. And so Burger King quickly discontinued the ad they learned that friendship has a price now I know that Facebook friends are not real friends if you don't know that I hate to be the one to break it to you but uh, but I do think that the success of the ad highlights a real issue in our culture friendship is not that much of a highly valued commodity anymore In the Bible, it says that Judas makes his way to Jesus in that moment of betrayal where he had been paid 30 pieces of silver. He determined that just his his relationship with Jesus was worth only 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus approached, as Judas approached Jesus, Jesus called him friend. Friendship has not really been valued in our culture 
throughout, really, even throughout history. One recent survey that I read about asked respondents said in the last six months, how many people outside of your family have you discussed an important personal matter? And over half could not come up with a single person. Friendship has gotten a bad rap. We've minimized its value. We label the friendship zone. It's a place that I had to try to avoid when I was uh, trying to talk to Annie. She kept trying to put me in the friend zone. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going there. There, uh, there is nothing there for me. We, we label a zone that we don't want to be the friend zone. Friendship has gotten a bad rap. I don't want to be just friends is the message that I had for my wife. And guess what? It worked. And I preached about this last week, but I just want to reemphasize before I get into, uh, into the bulk of what I want to share today. The first time that God said something wasn't good, after looking at the earth and His creation, the birds are good, the, the, the earth was good, the, everything was good. He looked at man who was alone, and He said that it was not good. But God had an answer to the dilemma of loneliness. But sometimes we mix up what God's answer was. We say, well, God created a wife for him. And that's true. He did give him a wife. But God didn't say, I was gonna, I'm going to give him a wife. He said, I'm going to give him a helpmeet. Because God's answer for loneliness wasn't intimacy or even proximity. His answer was community. And while we know that this is true, the reality is you can be with people and still be alone. How many know that's right? Proximity does not always equal community. It's, there's a phrase that sociologists have turned, uh, being alone together. If you've got a teenager, you've ever around teenagers, you know you can be with them and not be with them. I've got a 10-year-old that's like that. But the truth is you can experience intimacy and still be alone. But you cannot experience and live in community and be alone at the same time. But here's the thing, in our culture and day, we have sold intimacy and proximity as cheap substitutes, sold at a bargain price to people who refuse to pay the price of being a part of community. You see, in order for Adam to experience what God had desired and designed for him, it was going to have a cost for Adam. And so God, he took something of Adam. It required a part of himself. He had to be personally invested in it. Because as I said last week, community is not found, it is formed. And one of the key ingredients of the community that God would desire for you, that key ingredient comes from you. You've got to give it. So the first truth that I want you to embrace today and understand here on this Friend Sunday is powerful even in its simplicity. And it is this. We need other people. We need others. 
The Bible makes this truth so clear throughout its pages that isolation is a terrible and dangerous place to live in. We see it play out not only in the church and in humanity, but also in the animal kingdom. Prey, predators, they don't prey on, on animals that are together. They prey on animals that are isolated. The Bible would say, woe to him that is alone. There is a danger in isolation. The, uh, the wise man in the Proverbs says this in Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment not only is it dangerous but it's unwise you will you will push against good judgment when you are trying to do things on your own we need one another but the second truth that we must understand that is is equally important and without this truth being embraced in our lives and we fail to 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 benefit from the first and it is this we must choose our friends wisely this is what it says in Proverbs 6 or 12 26 a righteous the righteous choose their friends carefully but the way of the wicked leads them astray or in 1 Corinthians it says do not be misled bad company corrupts good Character. There is a truth that is echoed throughout Scripture. Proverbs 18.24 One who has unreliable friends That's not a good time to look around. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Over and over again Scripture shouts out this truth of uh, uh, this truth that we have to choose our friends wisely. One pastor says that that last verse means that there is a place in your life that we can look at now to accurately predict the future. And it's not New Year's resolutions. It's not your, your earning potential. It's who your close friends are. He said, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. When Job was... Being, attempt, being tempted and attacked by Satan. The Bible says he gets to this place where he says it would have been better if he had never been born. He was in a low, low, low place. And he was almost longing for death because he said at least there, there would be rest for the weary. Job was tired. He was broken. He was confused and all of these things. And immediately in that place, one of his so-called friends began to speak up and said, Well, you must be a sinner. That's why this is happening to you. Then a few chapters later, Job is all down in the dumps again. And he's weary. And he says, Man's days are full of trouble. And his friend, that same friend, that same good friend, speaks up and says, Well, you again, I'm telling you, you must be doing something wrong. It's not this bad for everyone else. Then in chapter 21 of Job, he's in that same place. He's weary. And in chapter 22, the friend speaks up again and accuses him of wickedness. We have got to be careful whose voice we listen to when we are weary. Uh, that friend, Alapaz, his name actually means my God is gold. Because not everybody's worshiping the same thing you are. Not everyone is pursuing the same things you are. You've got to be careful the voice you listen to when we are weary. The Bible says in the Old Testament, it says Amnon had a friend. And those words that could be so reassuring were instead written as a warning because your friends determine your future. And that so-called friend encouraged him to make a terrible decision that cost him his life. You see, the wrong friends can set you up. Hopefully you didn't bring any of those friends today. 
like with everything else in life, it seems, the Bible doesn't just give us bad examples. It gives us good. It tells us some examples of the kinds of friendships that we should have in our lives and what they look like. And one of the greatest pictures of, of this truth is in the life of David, King David. We are we're able to follow him throughout so much of his life. And it's significant in that, that one of his closest friends was a man named Jonathan. Jonathan was King Saul's son. He technically should have been the next king instead of David if, if God hadn't had his way and it had just been the natural progression of humanity. And so uh, instead David was anointed to be king and, and yet here is David and Jonathan, these friends. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number 8 verse 1, and when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Verse number 3, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul and Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. The first thing that I noticed, the first truth that jumps out at me about what a godly relationship and friendship looks like in the Bible, it is that Jonathan was willing to celebrate David's success even when he could not share in it. Jonathan recognizes that God had chosen David to be the next king and without the slightest hint of jealousy or resentment Jonathan divests himself of his garments and gives them to David. Can I tell you that one of the godly attributes of a friendship that will make us better is we need friends who are willing to celebrate our successes. Friends that want you to be blessed. Friends that don't treat like your promotion is their demotion. But also, when things weren't going good for David, Jonathan was there weeping with him too. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. You see, part of being in this together is we actually have to be in this together. And if all you have are fair weather friends who are with you when things are going good, then those are not very good friends at all. The strongest horse in the world. I read this. Just be thankful that it's not, uh, not that bird from last week. The strongest horse in the world can pull a sled of 5,000 pounds. But two ordinary horses together can pull 14,000 pounds. It doesn't just double their strength, it multiplies it. You see, the way that God has designed friendship is that our strength is multiplied when we pull together with a friend. Jonathan was with David through his all, through it all, through the ups and the downs, and it was a strength to him. You see, Travis and I, we, we were friends when he had a lot of hair, and I'm still his friend when he's bald. That's what godly friendship looks like, or something like that. You see, when you have that kind of friend that is with you when it's good and when it's bad, this is what happens. It says in 1 Samuel 23, 16, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. There is a strength that comes from being in a community where people are with you, where they're walking with you, praying for you, uh, 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 lifting you up, encouraging you, sometimes correcting you. It's like that old famous poet said, You've got a friend in me. If you've had troubles, I've seen him too. There isn't nothing that I wouldn't do for you. We stick together and see it through because you've got a friend in me. No, wait, that wasn't a poet. That was Woody in Toy Story. 
powerful. You didn't know it was going to get so deep today. There is something about this. If you just have a good friend. One of the great examples of this, it almost could, could go missed, uh, I, I suppose, in the, in, in the conversation of friendship. But just two people who are willing to go through things together. And, and the power of that is in the book of Acts. Paul and Silas, the Bible says that they were in the prison cell at midnight. And Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. There is strength that comes when you are walking through life with somebody else. When, when you are down low, they can lift you up. When you are having a bad day, they can bring you along. When you are rejoicing, they can rejoice with you. You need friends that will point you up high when you are feeling low. That will will say hey it's going to be all right we can worship through this we can pray through this we can make it through this somebody say amen the last thing that I would mention about this friendship between Jonathan and David was one that is a little less comfortable and it's that Jonathan was willing to tell David hard things things that were awkward things David didn't want to hear things like don't come back here or dad's going to kill you. <laughs> and that's because Jonathan wasn't just trying to keep the peace or make David feel good. He was trying to save David's life. You know, sometimes a true friend thinks about your safety and your flourishing more than they do your comfort. And they are willing to look at you and say, hey, I'm noticing some things about you. I'm concerned about this about you. They are committed to telling you the truth even when it hurts. This is what Proverbs says in Proverbs 27, verse number 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy, or the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. i got to tell you, I like kisses more than wounds. But there's something about it that if, if you are addicted to the kiss, if you, are, if you are addicted to the affection, if you're addicted to the flattery and you never let anybody in your life that will warn you and tell you when they see things about you that are concerning them, then you are setting yourself up for failure. We need friendships. People who will say, hey, hey, I, I want to see you make it. And I'm concerned about what's going on in your life. There needs to be friends in your life that can look at you and tell you what you don't want to hear but here's the point that I really want to make on this friend Sunday come back next week and we'll be oh we have James Wilson next week so it's going to be great we got a revival you don't want to miss that and it's this and this is where I feel like we the, the step that so many of us miss in our lives Something that I've learned is a lot of people have crises in their relationships with their spouse or in their friendships because they're trying to get something out of their relationship or out of their friendships that they were only meant to get from God. They, they're trying to get joy from the wrong well. They're trying to get peace from the wrong well. They're trying to get security from the wrong well. And so when they don't get that, then they discard the friendship or, or they, they, they miss that richness that they were intended to get. And, and here's the truth that you got to understand about this. There is no substitute for a friendship with Jesus. 
And until you get that relationship right, all of your others will fall short. Until you get your relationship with God right, then your relationship with your spouse is never going to click just right. Until you get your friendship with God right, then, then your friendships with other people around you are never going to be right. Because you're going to try to use them as a substitute for what you are supposed to get from God. Until you get that right, all others will fall short. There is no substitute for a friendship with Jesus. And so how is it then that we establish and cultivate that relationship with him? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in John chapter number 15, verse number 14. He says, "You are my friends if you do whatever I command you." Well, wait a second. Parker, that's the kind of friends he wants. He wants people who listen to everything he says. It plays all the games he wants to play. And so it's not a very good playground principle. But God isn't operating a playground. He's operating a kingdom. And he says, if you want to be my friend, and the question is, do you want your relationship with your spouse to be what it's supposed to be? Do you want your relationships with your people, your friends, your coworkers to be right? Do you want everything to, to fit the way it's supposed to fit? Then you got to be friends with him. And how am I friends with him? If you do whatever I command you. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father have been known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. You want to prosper. You want to, you, you want to produce. Uh, some people, they wonder why they're not producing uh, any fruit in their lives. Why they're not producing fruit of joy and peace and all of those things. The fruit of the Spirit. It's because they're not connected with the friendship uh, with Christ the way that they were supposed to be. You've got to be His friend. And here's the powerful thing I think about this friendship with Him. In order for Adam to have a relationship with Eve, it was going to first cost him something. It was going to take something of his. He had to give something willingly of his own. It cost him a piece of himself. But for a relationship with us, hear me now, it cost Jesus all of himself. Because before we get to that verse 14 where he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He says in the verse before that, in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. I tell you that God has already given the thing that was necessary in order for that relationship to be formed. So all we have to do is embrace it and say, Lord, I'll obey your word. I'll do what you tell me to do because you have already given that ultimate price so that I could have a relationship with you but it requires something of us too it's our obedience stand with me you see if you want a, a friendship with Christ there is no shortcut to it it's like having a friendship with with someone else in this room 
If you're the kind of friend that all you do is take, anybody got any friends that they're just takers? If you don't know any of those, it might be you. Be careful. Then it's, it wouldn't be a very good friendship. And so it is with us. So many times we approach Christ and we say, I want blessing. I want this. I want breakthrough. I want money. It's like we treat God like He's a genie in the bottle. But if you're going to have a friendship with Him, it requires something of us too. It's our obedience. We got to look at the Word of God and say, okay, I'll do what you say because I believe that a friendship with you is worth the price that I have to pay. Because guess what? The price you have to pay is much less than what he had to pay. We call it our reasonable service. And so I ask you today, in this culture and climate where loneliness is pervasive, we talked about this last week, how studies said that D.C. is the loneliest city in America. I ask you, what about you and your friends? Do you have friends that can speak truth when it hurts? Friends that will celebrate you and also weep with you. Friends that will be strength to you in the Lord. Will encourage you to keep living for Him. You say, I don't know if I have any of those. Well, good news. That's what the church is for. And our desire is that we would be a church, not just of attendees, but a church of friends. But it's going to cost you something. It's going to take something. You've got to work at it. A man that has friends, the Bible says, must show himself friendly. But then I also have to just point you to this important truth. That there is not a relationship with anyone in this church that will do for you what only Christ can. There is not a relationship with anyone, a friendship with anyone that will satisfy you the way that He can. And so you've got to get that friendship right in order for the others to all fit together. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. You've already been chosen. You say, I don't know if I can, if I can be his friend. I gotta tell you, he has already chosen you. He's chosen us. He's already paid the price. He's given something of himself so it can be formed. But now you've just got to say, I'll obey. I'll do what I've got to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed. These last two weeks, I, I wanted to examine the symptom of loneliness and God's answer for it. It's the church and Him, the bride and the groom. But I wanted to end here at this Friend Sunday, at these last moments of our service with asking you to ultimately examine your friendship with Him, your relationship with Him. Are you just a taker or have you been willing to give? Are you willing to obey, to do the things that He says so that 
you can call him friend. The proverb, it said that we have, there is a friend that sits closer than a brother. And it's not talking specifically about Christ. But we see Christ jump through that verse. Because he is a friend that sits closer than a brother. That will never leave us or forsake us. Friends, they will let you down. The Bible says that if it had been just an acquaintance that would have hurt, that would have hurt me, I could have borne it. But it was a friend that did it. There is wounds that have been caused by friends. There are disappointments that have been caused by friends. But he is that friend that will never leave us or forsake us or disappoint us or let us down. And so I think it would be good for all of us to say as the music begins to come and sing, I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to have a deep abiding friendship with Christ. I want to do what He says. I want to pay the price. I want to make sure that I'm guarding my heart against those voices and those friends that would try to disrupt and would try to sabotage my relationship with Him. I need God let us pray Jesus we love you I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice God you know every heart that is lonely every life that feels lost without relationship I pray that you would help us to be the kind of friends that are biblical friends that encourage one another that lift one another up that pray for one another that that weep with one another. God, help us. God, don't let us settle for just friends here and now. Let us look to you for joy and strength and help. Hallelujah. I think it'd be good for us maybe just to step out of where we are if you're comfortable with it. and Maybe you can take a friend by the hand, someone, and just say, I'm going to pray for you. Support.